This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. This rabbi, Yehuda Shein, the administrator of Kashrus Anytime, a division of the Coast Consumers Union, a 501c3 organization. At this time, we'll bring you the second chapter of Fish. The eggs, roe, caviar of kosher fish is usually of a different shape than non-kosher. Furthermore, kosher caviar will usually be of a red color, while the non-kosher will be black. Some non-kosher caviar may be red, but will turn black after salting. The fact that caviar is displayed together with the kosher fish should not be relied upon as far as kosher is concerned. The color and shape are also not sufficient to be relied upon. They will take eggs from white fish or other fish and be able to color it. So coloring should not be a guide. It has to be on the proper on the proper seal. Canned fish, such as tuna fish, is first cooked in live steam or in a water bath before canning. A number of processing plants did the cooking before eviscerating. Eviscerating means removing the intestines from the fish. The fish was cooked with everything inside still remaining inside. The diet of tuna consists of crustaceans, shellfish, and other non-kosher sea life. In essence, if we cook the tuna before evisceration, we are cooking it together with the yet undigested non-kosher product intact in the the stomach. The percentage of food in the stomach of a fish may be as much as 5-6% of the total weight of the fish. That will render the cooked fish as non-kosher. The amount of time it takes for digestion in the fish, according to Rabbeinu Tam, is 24 hours a mess less. A few years back, we realized this problem and brought it to the attention of the major kosher certifiers, requesting that all fish be eviscerated before cooking. Subsequently, all fish processors were notified that the kosher supervision will be removed from any processor that does not eviscerate before cooking. Not all certifiers are being strict about this requirement. The kosher certifier had some of their mashgichim check the guts of tuna, and they say they only found a mush, so they decided that there are no crustacean shellfish that were visible. But mashgichim are not biologists. Cornell University, among numerous other biology departments, were able to identify them as sea creatures that are not kosher. I was able to identify many of them to see pretty big pieces of all different kind of things in the fish. I even saw whole fish in there. Uh, it's not that it wasn't a kosher fish in there, but you know, it does take time for the digestion to happen. It does depend also in some of the process of how the fish is caught in nets, in persine, etc., etc., that would have an effect on it. We must also be concerned with the broth or oils that the tuna or other fish are packed in. The broth or HVP, which is hydrolyzed protein, may be dairy and non-kosher or Passover or non-kosher at all. The oil may be fish oil, yet it may be from a non-kosher fish. We must also be concerned that the processor doesn't process non-kosher products as well. We had an episode a while back, a kosher certified canned tuna actually contained clam instead of tuna. The star case certified was certified was totally unaware that the processor does non-kosher products as well, clam and crabs. And they had listed that it was Vishal Yisrael, 
and Mashgiach Tamidi, and it happened to be that it was cooked on Shabbos, according to the Daikun. We must also be concerned about the oils that the tuna fish is packed in, whether it's olive oil or vegetable oil, where it's coming from, properly sealed, how it came to the plant, etc., etc. Another requirement would be Bishul Yisrael. That is that a religious person partakes in the cooking process by turning on the ovens, fires, and boilers. Others would require the religious person to help in putting the fish into the cookers. The Sephardish ones require that as well. Worms and fish. Fish that feed on the bottom of the ocean, like haddock, flounder, and sole, are especially susceptible to having worms in the flesh of the fish. The fish eat parasites that contain some of these worms, and they will work their way through the intestines and into the flesh of the fish. Not all of the worms in the flesh have originated on the outside. Some may actually originate in the flesh. The fish fillets can be put on a light table and checked for worms. For dark-colored fish meat, such as herring and salmon, one would need a black light to check for worms in those fish. The only fish worms that may be a problem are the ones that originate from parasites. They would not be permitted to be consumed. The white fish from Winnipeg, Canada, does have worms in the flesh in certain seasons. It is common to find worms inside the stomach and flesh of whitefish, whiting, cod, and a number of other fish. Therefore, when eviscerating whitefish, one should be very cautious to remove the entire intestines in one piece and rinse the fish very well. The worms range in color from red, brown, gray, and off-white. They should be removed by rinsing very well. Carp, sometimes salmon, have transparent parasites or leeches. It is therefore best to discard the head and fins of carp. By frozen fish, far less worms are noticed than are actually present. On canned fish products, one should not rely on the canned identification of the type of fish, anchovies, tuna, herring, or salmon. They must have a reliable, kosher supervision and must be very careful of uh, uh, processes that are buying on the market bright pack which basically is unlabeled goods and they're buying it based on codes based on whatever else it is and it was never hashgacha there at all on the fish fish and meat must be kept separated some people have completely separate utensils to cook fish while others will use any clean utensil we cannot cook fish and meat in the same pot or uncovered in separate pots in the oven at the same time we should also have separate spices for fish and meat. By commercial establishments such as caterers and restaurants, this is a serious concern. Others do not cook or eat fish with milk or butter. Caterers should cook their side dish veggies, should not cook their side dish at the same time at the meat in the oven if they will have a choice of fish. I repeat, caterers should not cook their side dish vegetables at the same time as the meat is in the oven if they will have a choice of fish, because you can't serve those vegetables with fish. Salmon, in order to prevent staining on the inside, is immediately eviscerated and cleaned. Most of the time it's done on the boats. For canned salmon, the salmon is then sliced and put into the can with a few grains of salt and cooked in its own liquid. Some light-colored salmon will have coloring added to it. Salmon requires Bishul Yisroel, that a religious individual partakes in the cooking process. Salmon should not be purchased skinless unless there is a full-time reliable kosher supervisor. Furthermore, other skinless and boneless non-kosher fish may be substituted and coloring added to it, like salmon. The consumer will not be able to tell the difference. Some kosher certifiers are still relying on salmon color. 
The color of salmon is no longer acceptable as a reliable indicator of the kosher status. They rely on herring also for this certain gloss on it, which basically um, the same gloss you have on uh, which they serve in certain countries, they serve skin snake, which has the exact same color as um, herring, and it looks pretty much the same. In canned fish, there is a fish called rock salmon, which is really from the shark family, and it's known also as dogfish. The U.S. Fishery Department explained to us that, a, that the, the rock salmon, or dogfish, can be colored like salmon, skinless and boneless, and a consumer would never know the difference of what it is. Every fish, but the, the U.S. Fishery does have ways of identifying of what it is based on the sodium content, etc. Every fish that has scales also has fins, but not every fish that has fins has scales. For the consumer to be able to use a fillet of fish where the skin has been removed, we must be able to ascertain that it's from a kosher fish. Some fillets will come with a small one-inch square piece of skin remaining on the fish. One must be expert to identify the one-inch skin tab that is from a kosher identifiable fish. Unless, of course, one sees a scale or scales on that one-inch uh, skin tab. It, is, it has been found that others have taken... Uh, on certain fish, they took these skin tabs uh, from uh, what they put together from kosher fish and they just stuck it on when the fish was frozen and people thought that that's what it is. So you have to double check very good to make sure that it is from the original skin that was on there, not that it was stuck on. One can purchase fillets such as tuna, skinless salmon, sardines, herring, sole, or flounder with proper kosher supervision. That is, that a religious individual has physically seen every fish with the skin intact and can testify that all the fillets are from kosher fish. It's not acceptable if one is of the conviction that he can tell by the color or texture that it's from a kosher fish. The John Dory fish is a non-kosher flatfish, similar to the kosher flatfish solar flounder. The dory will have a large dark spot on the skin, yet when it's filleted, there is no dark spot on the flesh, and it's almost identical to the sole flounder fish. Even the average fish merchant can only guess as to what type of fish that fillet came from. The consumer should not purchase salted, pickled, or processed fish, even when it's produced under kosher supervision, if it's being sold in an unsupervised store. In a store that also sells non-kosher fish, one may not purchase cut pieces of fish, even when we can recognize scales on the fish, because it may have been sitting together with others and is a problem of coverage. The store may have used non-kosher utensils to cut the fish. One may purchase a whole fish with recognizable scales cut in its presence, provided that the customer observed that all of the cutting utensils and tables and knives were washed off very well with soap and water. It's unacceptable to eat in a completely fish or vegetarian establishment without proper kosher supervision. Sushi bars must be under tight control of kosher supervision. Alert! The consumer should be aware that kosher supervising agencies wrongfully allow non-supervised, non-religious personnel to have free access, including keys, to areas that do, that do not have the fish products under seal. Smoked and cured fish. Lox is sold mostly as a packaged and skinless product. The consumer should not purchase lox or sable. Sable happens to be a fish that's infested. From an unsupervised facility, even when the locks for sable originally had proper kosher seals, 
Once the package is open, the kosher status is voided. Smoked fish, even with the skin intact with recognizable scales, may have been processed together with non-kosher fish or in a plant that also processes non-kosher products. All of the processing utensils have to be kosher sterilized before it may be used to process the kosher fish. There may be numerous questionable ingredients being used in the process requiring kosher supervision. Fish can be smoked with cold smoke or hot smoke. And hot smoke may require visual withdrawal that a religious individual partake in the smoking process. On numerous occasions, it was found that the fish type described on the package was actually a non-kosher fish substitute. Therefore, the description appearing on the package is not a reliable indicator of the kosher status of the fish. A religious individual must deliver fish products, including fish salads, sandwiches, school lunches, platters, fish products, unless they are properly sealed. Ingredients that include anchovy fish, Worcestershire, anchovy fish also need that. Worcestershire sauce should not be used with meat because it does have anchovies in there. And anchovies is a fish and it's a vital timer. And even if it's used less than 1 in 60, the amount of anchovies that's there, a number of hold a chimera sacante meisura, and we should not use that thing. But if it has more than 60, it definitely cannot be used with meat. Those that do eat herring should have them checked by Isaki worms. Skinless herring may be used only if a religious individual can testify to having observed the skin on the fish and it's from a kosher fish and the containers or barrels must be properly sealed and to make sure that they are not reused barrels. Other kosher certifiers have now instituted by the ones that are doing the pickling of the herrings etc that they put in a plastic liner so we're not going to be concerned with the barrel that it absorbed any time from the ultimate user and then he sent back the barrels to the pickling company to redo it. The pickling curing process of herring must be under reliable kosher supervision. Don't forget some of them are using wine and cream sauce everything else. Some of those concerns are wine, vinegar, spices, glycerides, animal pac pac pancreas, in the matcha's herring, dairy creams, oils, fish oil, etc. Cod, liver, oil, or other fish-derived supplements must be kosher supervised. Ruffies also have non-kosher species. Orange ruffy fish fillets are filleted on board to the, due to the presence of a poison under the skin. Therefore, one should not purchase them as a fillet. Regardless of what form we receive the fish, whether fresh, fillet, frozen, canned, sliced, cryovac, ground, pickled, salad, all require a guarantee that the fish is of a kosher variety and the process is a reliable kosher process. Some of the more common fish consumed in Israel are uh, hake, which they call bakala, gray mullet, which they call buri, silver carp, which they call ksif, winter carp, which they call carpion, and sole, which is called moishravenu. The nori used for sushi, we were usually, we had the concerns only about seahorses, sea but lately in the last two and a half years, we found that it has also copepods embedded in them. They're very small, very hard to see, so they must be expertly checked over a light box before using them. The Ada and most Hajgokas and Estral stopped using all seaweed nori for their products. When tuna fish and other fish are caught, and then they're going to be kept uh, frozen or in, in ice or they're going to keep it in uh, very cold uh, salt water 
in the things over there. Usually we're not concerned about coverage because they do do sorting to make sure that the bycatch is completely removed. They might miss, miss one or two, but it was checked many, many times and found that basically there is more than shishim, so there will not be a concern. A number of years ago when I went out, I think it was in, uh, in uh, the Philippines, someplace over there, as I was uh, came from the airport and I was picked up to do a uh, fish production tuna, I was notified by the driver that they just pulled a strike on the company and the company basically is closed. I said I still want to go down to the company. And I went down to the company and I said I want to talk to the head of the union who did speak English. And I told him, you know, I came specially to do a production over here. Uh, if I could satisfy him and negotiate with management to um, for a big part of their grievances, can he give me some people to do some a smaller production? And he said, yes, I was able to negotiate approximately 35% of the issues to the union satisfaction. And based on that, the, the plant usually had about 1,000, 1,200 people operating, so they gave me 500 people, and we did a production, I believe we started, I think, on Sunday. And uh, as the people were asking me, you know, how long am I staying, etc., etc., usually I never give out that information. I'm very, very careful. But it was very, very strenuous um, production that was being done then, that I had to stay on my toe with very little sleep, and I slept in the company because... The roads were all blocked by them uh, because of the strike and everything else like it. So I had to sleep in the office on a cot and be up and leave in the middle. It, it was very, very strenuous. So I was not careful of myself not to say when I'm leaving. But my scheduled flight was basically for Thursday. As I'm in my uh, office room Thursday morning, whatever it was, about 6 o'clock in the morning, my production was finished already. As I was still in the middle of diving with my towels and film, uh, comes along one of the, the managers and knocks on the door and says, Rabbi, we have to leave immediately. Please pack up your things and let's go. I have my other things were packed. So I uh, basically tried to finish as fast as I could. And I hear commotion going on outside. And the shades are closed and everything else like it. And I go over to one of the shades and I open the window to see what's going on there. And I see a lot of people there. I see some army personnel there. Etc. And something is really going on. And I'm listening. I open up the window and I listen to what's going on. And the fellow from the Philippine government was there. It basically turned out to be it was a hostage situation. They felt that I broke the strike and the company doesn't want to negotiate for all the other grievances. And I broke the strike by getting the 500 people to work. And now the management doesn't want to do any negotiations. So basically they want to keep me hostage that I can't leave and they block the pier that I can't get out from there. So I decided, you know, I'm just playing going to push it off for that because I heard on the loudspeakers that the government hostage negotiator said that if I feel that the rabbi's life is in danger in any way, shape, or form, then order my troops to shoot. I'm not interested in getting into that kind of geschäft. So when they came to call me that they want to leave, I said, no, I'm going to leave next week. I'm going to stay over Shabbos. I'll leave Sunday and Monday. I'll make other arrangements. They said, no, the hostage negotiator, he's the one that decides what it is. And he said, we should bring you out even if they have to carry you out. So they had two people took my luggage. Two people literally picked me up off the ground and carried me outside. And I saw it was tense. I saw everybody over there, but there was no way of me resisting. I mean, you had two... Uh, Burly fellows carrying me and carrying my thing, and they walked me down a hill 
onto a little thin uh, boat with somebody standing there in the boat with a machine gun. And basically, uh, he tells me, um, lay down flat. I had no choice. I felt my heart beating very uh, much over here. I was, uh, but there was nothing I could do, and they put my luggage in there. And the boat took off and went to the other side of the pier, and they dropped down a life jacket for me to put on. And the fellow with the machine gun says, my rabbi, put on the life jacket, then turn over face down and lay flat on your stomach. <clears throat> and the pocket was just unbelievable. And basically what they did was they had a high-speed boat and a very thin boat. And they decided that they could squeeze through the pillars of another pier that goes right out into the main ocean. And the people blocked the, uh, the main pier. They blocked with their boats that no boat could go through there. But the other pier on the opposite side that had tall stilts. This little high-speed boat was able to go through there, and that's what they did. They took me through with a high-speed boat. We were probably in the boat for about 15 minutes, and then the boat pulled up by, uh, by land, and a few people came. They took me out of the small boat, took me into a jeep together with my luggage, ran down to the airport. I, there was no checking or anything. They went right on to the field in the airport, <coughs> had me... Go right. They they threw my luggage into the hole in the back, and they told me to go up the steps onto the plane. And no check-in, no nothing over there. And they closed the doors, and then uh, the police ordered the plane to take off immediately. And that's what happened. And uh, basically, it, it was it was very very strenuous. Baruch Hashem, I gotta say, I arrived safely, and uh, Baruch Hashem, and uh, I'm back.